0: listen and stream freedom. the only talk radio freedom. freedom 106.5 for the only talk that matter good morning trinidad and Tobago. this is freedom 106.5 fm speak your mind a minute and a half after nine o'clock i gotta welcome you to the human impact today my name is Govin. i'm here with you until 12 o'clock thanking satish Mahabur for the morning rumble wishing him the best for the remainder of his day and the conversation continues right here on freedom 106.5 fm as we greet to those listening to us on air those online those in their vehicles wherever you might be it's definitely a pleasure to be in your company today so it's wednesday it's the middle of the week and we've got as usual on the pulse with Rajiv Dipti, a very special interview and also joining us today is a pres uh, is of course um mr Ricardo Mohammed president of the eastern uh business merchants association so good morning rajiv how are you today and mr Mohammed.
1: good morning good morning good morning goblin and welcome again to another edition of on the pulse every wednesday at 9 a.m on freedom 106.5 um we have a very special guest further to the chat we had last week and we're still focusing on business our guest today is going to be chatting with us about building a stronger east trinidad he is mr ricardo mohammed president of the eastern business merchants association and a quick background he attended hillview college and he wrote his bachelor of science degree at the faculty of medical sciences at the university of the west indies for a bsc in pharmacy he's also the vice chairman of the confederation of regional business chambers He's also the president of the Sangri Grandi Hindu School Parents Teachers Network. And he's also the head pharmacist at Hiltop Pharmacy Limited. So a special good morning to you, Ricardo. How are you today?
2: Good morning, Rajiv, and it's a pleasure for you to have me um, again on the show today. I look forward to having some meaningful discussions and, and so on with regards to strengthening the, the eastern side of Toronto, Tobago.
1: So let's get right into it, Ricardo. How do you foresee building a stronger East Trinidad? And while you're at it, maybe you can tell us a little bit as a founding member of the Eastern Business and Merchants Association and what you guys are doing on the ground right now.
2: Sure. Thank you, Rajit. So good morning to your listeners and everyone um, who is um, tuning in. Um, so let's let's start from the nitty gritties. Um, the Eastern Business Merchants Association was formed in uh, 2020. Um we, we are a registered a non-profit organization, a business organization that, that deals with really trying to rebuild our community. Um, for many years, we have noted that the town of Sangri Grandi and its environs would have been, um, well, in in the light of a better word, we needed some more attention and love on this side. And we really didn't see... A lot of things that we were expecting to happen to, to rebuild infrastructure and so on within the eastern side of Trinidad. And especially where our economic standpoint is, we had to do something to try to revamp and boost the town of Sangha Grande So the EBMA came about 2020. We went on a membership drive. From then to now, we have approximately 150 members spanning across from my to Matlòt, the entire eastern seaboard, Valencia, Sangre Grande. As we know, Sangre Grande it's a a town. It's the biggest town on the eastern side of of the country. Um, we have a, the Sangre Grande population itself is about eighteen thousand, um, a little more than that around there. But con- combined on the entire east coast, where we serve as the main town, we kind of, we support approximately seventy-five thousand people on this side of the country. Uh, so Sangre Grandi has been, over the years, um, is in need of repair, it's in need of, of revamping. And so there, there are many things that we now, as a group, has decided to, let's try to put Sangre Grandi back on the map again. So we would have had, um, first of all, we started with our community, and we believed in strengthening our community. So for example, one of the main things that we would have been doing is trying to strengthen our youths. And when I say that, we would have we would have engaged school principals across the region on the East here. We would have, we went on a fact-finding mission to find out what are some of the basic needs the school would have, some of these students who may have been um, underprivileged in whatever way or fashion. And every month, the EBME. Uh, we find four schools within the area and we try our best to supply basic things. So, for example, there were students who needed iPads and, and tablets, and we were able to donate a few of that to four of the major four schools within the town. There were other schools who needed materials and certain construction materials to, to, to build little infrastructure at the school, so we donated some of those. Um, there were some schools who required fans and we gave some of the school funds. And and when we have flooding and so on, we would probably do cleaning supplies, et cetera. But our main focus from the EBMA, apart from strengthening our economic standpoint, is we need to have a good community. We need to build our community so that our community can support our businesses to move forward. So we have launched also the a taste of brandy that has been a, a uh, fantastic idea by the team. Um, it is spearheaded by one of our executive members, Mr. Damian Chow. And we have been able to create now. So during the pandemic when we had a lot of food places shut down, it really brought a lot of the persons into the food industry um, almost a bankruptcy. And um, so the EBMA sat down and we we've tried to figure out how can we now um, bring people from outer granny into granny to really try to support some of the initiatives that we had so the tesa granny came about our first one was held in um in 2020 2021 uh, july and then we proceeded into 22 now 23 um and our first one we were really surprised we had, Approximately 25 food vendors and we had approximately 800 visitors on the first one fortunately enough the second one we 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 went close to almost 2000 patrons on that day and um, and what we did was really bring the people who had food businesses to so- showcase their businesses spread their contact information and you know really try to boost their business in a, in a semi-marketing style so that they can, people can become a little more aware of what is available. Um, that has taken up to great success. So we are having our next A Taste of Brandy on Republic Days, um, September 24th this year. But during the process, what we tried to do now was to evolve from that and create a scenario that was a little more permanent. So under the leadership of Damien Chow, we were able to now form this the Granny's Food Hub which is located on Alfonso Street, Sangre Grandi. Um, it's just off the main road uh, of a cooperative street. And it's a fantastic food hub with over 12 ben- permanent vendors. Um, we have spaces for our guest chefs that come on a weekend. The food hub is open from Thursday to Sunday from 4 p.m. to 10 p.m. And it allows now some of these food vendors who also have their permanent jobs to come in the afternoon and earn a little extra income. So in that way, we are able to put money back into the, into the food vendors pocket. And, and, in, and, then like, the whole of whole thing goes with finances. Once the people have increased finances, there will be more spending power, more uh, money to go around. And it kind of boosts the economy in that aspect.
1: I just wanted to jump in very quickly, Ricardo. And for our listeners here this morning, um within the the business burgesses of Sangri Grandi, a taste of Grandi was such a success that I recall um, other business chambers wanted to replicate it to, to the point where you know you just laid out these successes enjoyed. Now we have permanent vending spots at the Grand the Sangri Grandy food hub. Um do you see this as something that provides a good showcase for those cottage vendors small vendors and perhaps something that could be done around the country
2: yes and i totally agree that is something that we we envisioned that when we started the a At- taste At- of Ar- grandy we wanted to be able to take now the taste At- of Ar- brandy on a roof caravan across trinidad and tobago by doing so we can also support the rest of our um business colleagues our rest remaining chambers throughout trinidad and Tobago because We have done it. It doesn't make sense to what we call um, uh, redesign the wheel as the case would be, but we can actually now partner with any uh, chamber who is interested in setting up a taste of whichever town you want. But the thing about it is what it did for our food business was really create two things. One, it allowed the, the food vendors to now have an additional set of income which will support them in their businesses and support um, their, their future, help them grow their business as well. And two, the concept behind the Taste of Brandy was very family oriented. So what we did was create an atmosphere where families could come, sit down, have a little snack, interact. And what we have noticed is that one, we, were, we have been Receiving a lot of persons from outside of Randy, as far as Point Fortin, San Fernando, Tuna Puna, of Spain, Digo Martin on a regular basis coming on to visit the food hub on a weekend. And it also allows, because of the variety that is there, um, you know, you can go there on different days and experience different types of foods. But it's not just the regular street foods. We do have specialty foods that people do. We have guys who do um, seafood and lobsters. We have... Different um, styles of doubles. Where you can get zero chicken doubles and shrimp it's doubles. Like a,
1: it's almost like a local tourist destination. For, yeah. yeah,
2: yes, definitely. And that was the aim. The aim was to create something that was simple, but different, but give you a taste that will make you want to come back to Grandy all the time.
1: Wow, um, that's that's truly remarkable what you've been able to do. Because I've seen a lot of business chambers rave about the successes enjoyed and i really have to commend you on your part and mr damien chow as well for his leadership of this initiative that has really redounded to great gains for the community uh shifting gears a little bit here much has been made about the ongoing highway development um totoko how can you tell us from the business community some of the buzz the positive impacts that this will take away for um sangri Grandi and beyond
2: sure so within the realm of sangri grandi and all the business persons really have a good relationship and we communicate effectively and well and on a, one of our regular communications you know one of our greatest thing is one timelines um the highways coming into sangri grandi in different phases you have the phase from Komoto to sangri grandi you have the phase from valencia to toko road which has been completed and then they have to connect grandi to, towards toka road um so we hope that these phases are done within one a timely manner two we need to have open dialogue with the ministry of works and transport in order to understand these timelines and how it's going to impact us what we do not want is to be bypassed as a town so consideration must be given into ensuring that there's a, a proper traffic flow in and out of the town of Sangre Grande, um, in my mind, um, the the highway the highway works need to take all aspects into consideration. Like any other developmental projects, we have to be mindful of flooding within the, within the town, and um, and the proper and we have to also look at the widening of our rivers. The infrastructural work that needs to be done to ensure that the water flows throughout the town do not create additional flooding. Within recent times, we have been having a lot of issues with flooding. We have been in contact with hydrologists and geologists from the University of the West Indies, UTT. We have been having conversations with um, EME, etc about developments and and how these things are going to impact the town. Yes, we know that infrastructure works are, such as highways are beneficial for for creating commutes between other parts of Trinidad towards San Grandi, and we welcome that with open arms. Um, but the stakeholders, we need to be a little more privy to having discussions with the Ministry of Works and Transport. And that's one of the things we are actually planning, and we are hoping that we can achieve very soon, is that we are in the process of, trying to have a meeting with the Ministry of Works and other stakeholders, maybe other business chambers within this district, to how we can partner to effectively build and support community development uh, in terms of highway infrastructure, what we can do as a team to bring ideas forward to alleviate flooding, and how the private sector could partner with public sector um, to really bring about some really good, positive changes, um, especially with regards to flooding, because flooding has been, as I said, one of our major concerns in this area since um, the big flood that we had in 2018. And
1: we're going to stick up in that, because I want to talk a little bit about the flooding, but we're going first a commercial break, so stay with us. We'll be back with Mr. Ricardo Mohammed, President of the Eastern Business and Merchants Association.
0: <laughs> oh is streaming at freedom106.5.com and welcome back to freedom106.5 fm we continue our discussions on the pulse with rajiv Dipti and of course joining us today mr ricardo Mohammed, president of the eastern business merchants association
1: yes and we're back and we are chatting this morning with someone who has been? who is no stranger to the business landscape of Trinidad and Tobago. I recall meeting him for the first time some years ago. We were involved in the demonetization exercise of 2018. And thereafter, being a vibrant medical professional, he was heavily involved in COVID-19, the vaccination efforts, and is someone who is today the vice chairman of the Confederation of Regional Business Chambers, um, lending advocacy at a national level. Um, So, Ricardo, we were chatting about the issue of flooding. Now, we've seen record precipitation, uh, record levels recorded in the last few years. We just talked about 2018 when I think we were both engaged in some level of flood relief. But there have been several issues that have contributed to this besides the record rainfall. I know that particularly in East Trinidad, there are concerns about illegal quarrying, about the impact, the environmental impact of developments, but particularly, as you see, um these developments going forward uh what are your thoughts starting first in east trinidad and on a national level because flooding is something that has become an annual item
2: yes so let's start with um east trinidad for example we have been seeing as you quite rightfully said rajiv unprecedented rainfall Rainfalls that usually would have happened one every 30 years or 40 years is happening a little more frequently, and we can probably assume that is due to climate change. But there are no different areas that would tend to flood, especially in the region of Sangara and environs that usually did not flood before. And we have to look at developments. Um, yes, we welcome developments at all, all aspects, but also our our authorities, the leaders within our different um, organizations, they must continue to ensure that the necessary um, infrastructural works are done properly and are done within a way that can cater for any such increased developments, especially when it comes to flooding. Now, let's just look at, for example, the highway project that is coming through Komoto normally a lot of the water that comes down from tamana into sangre grande via the Guaiko river it tends to move northwards across the into the Arepo where there are some water basins there there's also an area inside the forest there that sometimes holds up to 40 feet of water now what we have recognized and some of the members within the, the business organization, in consultation with hydro, hydrologists with, within UE we have recognized that uh, some of the waterways have not been done to allow that water to, to traverse northwards. And instead, we have recognized that the waterway is now being channeled back into the Guaiko River. Now, the Guaiko River has not been dredged properly, and when I say properly, from end to end within Recent years, there has been some work that was done along the Guayco River into the coal mine river area, that would normally, you know, is done in parts. But we, we need to look at it. A, we need to look at it in its entirety, from where the works are and where the water has to leave. And one of the suggestions that have been been thrown out is that where the water has to exit in North Manzan through those riverways. Those riverways needs to be widened or a second tributary built in order for that water runoff to run out a lot faster. As we know on the east coast here, we are affected by the tide significantly when it comes to flooding because we're basically very close to the coastline. So, by increasing, by, by putting in additional tributaries for that waterway to exist, to exit, sorry, out of the, the rivers that go towards the east coast will be one major help and two um they need to look into no i'm not sure if that where the highway is being built if the the mm-hmm. rerouting of the water into the guayka river is temporary but we need to have a solution to it because every time we have a major flooding into grande we have businesses who lose millions even one of our colleagues who is into the manufacturing sector has lost significant amount of equipment um his 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 factory was significantly underwater and you know so it 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 really inconveniences the the business sector yes and, and it impacts on us financially we are now coming out of a pandemic where a lot of businesses were closed um for a period of time so whatever extra money business people would have had, it had been spent in paying staff, keeping trying to keep the company alive, um, paying whatever bills, et cetera, when you had no income coming in, paying whatever loans you would have had to pay. Like all other business persons, we have a house too. We have um, to pay for other bills and et cetera. So when we closed businesses during the pandemic and people would have lost significant amounts of money, now to have flooding being an issue that is really going to hurt and harm this town economically, we need to have it addressed. So we are in the process of, of requesting the various meetings with stakeholders so that we can try to find solutions. Even when I was a child, and most people you would hear say this, they were talking about, well, you know, when dry season reached, make sure the waterways are cleared, make sure the rivers are widened. And for year after year after year, these works usually start around the month of June or May when the first rainfall impacts us. What we need is some good leadership within within the different organisations to say, listen. As January February comes, we need to start clearing all river riverways that heads out to the to the east coast into the sea, and that will significantly significantly reduce the level of flooding. I'm not going to say that. You know that flooding is not something that is inevitable yes it is there are some low-lying areas that will flood all the time there are some people who um, don't listen to building codes and building practices and they go and they build on river banks etc we know these things happen but in the general scheme of things there is no reason for the heart of the town of San to flood at this day and age and just one week ago we had the town flooded so we have to now figure out why is this happening. And we have a good idea why. We need to work together as a team. It's all about community development and the the EBMA together with um, all other organizations. We are willing to work towards building a better community. Now, when we look at flooding on a national level, I think this is some of the same things. Most of the times, local government. They, they don't they don't act quickly enough. And there is always the excuses of, well, we didn't budget for this, we didn't have we don't have the equipment for this, but flooding has been here for years. So there's something within the, the, the organization or the leadership skills or planning. So we have to look at now what you call effective management. Like us within the business sector, we know what effective management is. So they need to effectively manage. Listen, we deal you know, with national issues now. We're going to have flooding in certain areas. All right. So don't wait till the rains come in May, June to start the project. Start in January. Plan effectively. Get the teams out there. Do the assessments. Figure out what is needed. Make a proper plan. Get private sector involved because we can help in some instances. Maybe it might be a small tributary or something that you need a backhoe or excavator to clear. Fine. We in the private sector can try to raise the funds or get somebody to to help you out if you don't have all equipment or or if equipments are broken down and not serviced on time. We we have heard all the excuses, but it can be done. Yes, it can be alleviated. It's not inevitable, but we can actually reduce the significant levels of flooding in this country.
1: So it would be a number of factors, a constellation coming together, and it would also be... Um, correct us at this point, that the current infrastructure simply cannot handle the volumes, and that more needs to be done. Uh, I I think more needs to be done on both sides, because it's a double whammy when the government has to um, compensate persons for losses that could have been avoided. Um, Correct. Certainly the anxiety that's becoming chronic um, when you get a little bit of rainfall and you have to worry about flooding.
2: Yeah, because, um, I mean, the anxiety is real. Now, parents, once we hear that, once you, for example, because of social media and WhatsApp, Facebook, etc., you call, you, you wake up in the morning and you see orange alerts, yellow alerts. Well, parents, no, no, don't send a child to school because um, if we're going to get a call from the school saying flooding and what is coming up, come back, create children. And these are things that we have to deal with. You have people now who live in areas that don't usually flood, that are now flooding. They have to go and get sandbags. They have to invest in floodgates. And and so it is hectic. Some people have to leave their, their work during the day to run home to put sandbags, put their furniture up on, on on heights or whatever they need to, to secure. And then wait and see what is the next step when this water comes or how much damage is going to going to be done. So you're quite right. You know, if, if, if planning is done properly, it saves the government money from having to give out compensations. It it takes away the headache from someone having to clean up um, their place; it reduces the number of personal losses that persons might have, and it's so you know it, it eases, as you would say, the overall anxiety and tension. and And for the country to function as a country that is going to develop properly, to move forward, we need a, a society that is, you know that that is mentally equipped to deal with this. We don't have to be worrying about excessive flooding and where we're we going to get money to. to 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 fix this as we say we're still recovering from a pandemic that that has really really impacted us significantly
1: Yes, I, I fully agree with you. When we come back, we'll continue the discussion with Mr. Ricardo Mohammed right here on Freedom 106.5. Talk,
0: talk, talk. It's streaming at freedom106.5.com And we're back. We continue our discussions right here on The Pulse uh, with uh, Freedom 106.5 FM, Rajiv Dipti and Ricardo Mohammed. reminding you of our studio number six two seven three two two three six two five two two five seven and your messages on WhatsApp three zero six ten sixty five.
1: Thank you, Govin. And just a reminder to our listeners, you can call in and you can send your messages at the numbers COVID just listed. We're back here with Mr. Ricardo Mohammed, And I want to take it to our level of discussion. You know, he said that through their organization, they've been working with some of the youth. And one of the observations that we've made at the level of the supermarket association and the wider business community is that we're seeing a lot of youth involved in crime. I get violent and armed robberies or petty pilferage. Um, there's a need for more involvement with youths to keep them out of crime. Uh, Mr. Mohammed, how how are you dealing with it, both at the level of the EBMA and the Confederation of Regional Business Chamber?
2: Sure. Thank you, Rajib. So, yes, crime is of major concern. You know, we're wondering uh, what is happening in our nation. Why are the youths lashing out like this. Why are they not being given opportunities? You know, what? what is the attraction to join gangs, etc.? And, and it's all simply put. I think over the years, one, because the economy has become so difficult, parents were now forced to work multiple jobs. So then you are left with a child being left in the hands of maybe the grandmother, um, the neighbor, auntie or uncle, who made also themselves um, view parenting in a different way. And so now you have the child sometimes left to to do what they want for a a period of time um, while they were growing up. And then now they come in communication with other kids who may may not have been parented properly. So it it starts from there. And then now you think, well, okay, we have the school system. Why is the school system not, um, you know, disciplining these kids or, or, or teaching them ways of life? So we have to now look at an entire holistic approach when it comes to youth. We have to look at the parental structure. We have to look at the school structure. We have to look at the economy and what is probably contributing to these hardships that, that you have now. Parents working treat two and three jobs, no longer one job, but two jobs, three jobs <coughs> to make ends meet. Why are we getting family time? Businesses, business owners are now opening their businesses seven days a week. I remember growing up, Sundays were the days that businesses were closed. There were family time. There were different outings from a Saturday night, etc. You would see families coming out. And so the crime now has prevented now also families from actually taking a little walk or stroll along the evening into the town. I grew up in the middle of, uh, of the central part of Sangha Grande, coming out looking at families around Christmas time, different holiday times when school closed, cars would park up on the streets, families would take a little walk, they meet out and greet other pharmacies in the town centre, have quiet and cool shopping, it was a relaxed environment. Now... We are dealing with a lot of tension a lot of anxiety a lot of youths who are misguided um is it that they are not seeing a hope for a brighter future is it that they're seeing that crime might be the easy way out we don't know but i think what we have been doing is trying to change that one we are trying to rebuild community as i said in my earlier part of it one of the ways we try to do that was to get families to come back together to the food hub as, as one as one aspect of things two is that the EBME and also i have represented together with the confederation of regional business chambers we have met with the police commissioner um, we have given her the guarantee that the chambers will be willing to work with the different police youth groups we are willing to assist in whatever way that we can not necessarily financially all the times but we can become mentors we can go to give lectures, we can have chats and discussions with some of the youths who have been um, exposed to difficult situation and troubling situations. Um, we have this situation in schools where we have bullies. And then what do we do now? I mean, I sit as the, also as the president of the Sangrani Hindu School Parents Teachers Network. And and so we, from time to time, when things happen, what do we do next? we are still trying to form mentorship programs where kids who are behaving badly could come and they can learn a thing or two maybe about sports sports is a good way to build team building activity it's a positive way that we can share knowledge to the kids teach them different aspects of life through sports really get them involved there are many things and avenues that could be done but we are taking it one step at a a time I think it's really important that those in in authority, they could come together now. We need the Ministry of of Education to twin with social development, to twin with the Ministry of Finance, to twin with the Ministry of National Security, maybe form a special committee within those four organizations as to where can we start, what programs we need to do, how we can evolve something for kids and really train them differently in, in, in terms of, of becoming good, upstanding citizens and and really try to figure out how we can get employment. Now, when we're dealing with teenagers now, it's a different story. Most teenagers come out there and they don't see the hope. And, and really, the easy life is really knocking on their door from the little bad boys around and the gangs that are around. It's easy to recruit them because money is one of the priorities for a young person. Buying a nice car is a priority, priority for a young person. And so, so people get, um, um, so they they get coerced into going on, into a life of crime, and really and truly, plenty most most of those persons really don't look at the, the broader picture because they feel that they don't have the opportunity to grow. And when we speak to some of the youths, one of the things that they say, well, you know, um, in Trinidad we suffer in a, We need to make some easy money we don't know how you know nobody never teach me how to do this um my my father in jail my mother working all the time um, you know that kind of thing so we get these stories that are out there we need as a society to really partner um, the business community is willing to partner. We have, we as I said, we, we spoke to the commissioner about doing youth groups, but privately, what some of the organizations are doing, especially the EBMA, is that we are trying to build mentorship programs now in some of the primary schools. It's a project that we are looking at where we can take a Saturday morning and really get some of our members to come out there, teach basic things like sports, but you know, it's more communicative, more interactive and, and really try to to help the the, the child or the student or the the young person or the young man or the young lady to understand certain things. Yet we have had discussions in in terms of trying to provide jobs. And I remember um, our our chairman from the Confederation was indicating that, yes, the business sector is willing to help some of these youths who need a job on summertime, who need a a, 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 whether it's um, permanent or temporary job just to help them get by so that they can achieve some sort of goal later in the future. So those were some of the things that we were looking at, when, especially when it came to the youth.
1: Now, we've... Uh, thank you again, Ricardo. So, you know, we've we're, we've just seen the conclusion of a, a regional crime symposium. We've publicly acknowledged in Trinidad and Tobago that crime is a public health crisis or epidemic. How from the, like, the side of your membership and as a leading member of the business community how has this impacted the the operations of your members uh, given the fact that they have so much to be concerned about now from home invasions to armed robberies
2: right and you know you know rajiv that is that is a very 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 um valid point there in in the sense that listen crime isn't going to impact all of us. One, we know fact is it has gotten worse. Fact, it has become more violent. Fact is that you're no longer safe in your own home. So, yes, they they had the crime symposium. I think they had like about an 11-point plan or 15-point plan. Some of them was stuff like um, precision policing, dealing with violent crimes, uh, dismantling of gangs, uh, targeting high-risk um communities, illegal guns, drug trafficking, human trafficking, money laundering, cybercrime, to name a few. So how are we gonna deal how are we gonna deal with this? It's it's at a point where the business community now, after 5 pm, 6 p.m., we are very, very concerned as it starts to become dark. And businesses are now closing earlier, simply because one of persons operate business when we have a clientele to serve. In the past, we have noticed that coming down to late evening hours, our shopping clientele has significantly decreased. Now, when you're managing a business, we have to manage our overheads as well. Of course, we're going to have staff employed. We, and if we don't have the business coming in, right, at, at certain hours, for example, let's just use one example. Let's say a business opens till 8 p.m., and if by 7 p.m. the place is like a ghost town, it does not make sense for the business to remain open till 8 p.m. because there are the overheads now with staff, electricity, um, air condition, security, etc. All these are overheads. So because the current economic climate is so difficult for the small businessman, it is easier for them to close an hour earlier than to have those overheads. And I think this is something now that is happening throughout Trinidad and Tobago. We are seeing that a lot of the businesses are closing earlier because we're just not getting that evening business. Even more so, look at a town like Sangri Grandi. Sangri Grandi is a nuclear stone for Toko, Manzlina, Mayaro, Beach, Flomita, Valencia, etc. Sometimes many people who live in this area, they traverse through Sangri Grandi because we are a major um, transportation hub we have the bus terminus here we have the maxisans you could come to Sangri Grandi and get a taxi to go to toco you can get a taxi to, to go to port of spain etc we have a, a very good taxi maxi taxi service we have the bus terminus right in the heart of the town so transportation now we have persons now who are in Grandi having to travel let's say to tunapuna sama port of spain to work when they come back in the evening And because of all the traffic that we currently experience on the Valencia stretch from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m., significant traffic coming into Sanirati. When persons arrive back at home in the afternoon and they come off at the maxi hub or the bus terminus, they tend to walk through the town. By that time, it's already dark. Then now you have persons now who are harassing young women who are coming from work. So instead of they stop any the little grocery or they stop in the little store that they like because they wanted to buy something, um, they just didn't bother. They, they, they're thinking, you know what, I come off the maxi, I come off the bus rather than walking through the town and stopping and shopping and having this one harass me and this one asked, begging me for money or the young man being bullied by another group of fellas. Well, give him out $20 now. You know, that kind of thing. These are some of the things that that are now deterring some people from actually hanging around the town, doing a little shopping. So what they do, they, they come off the, the maxi hub, they go straight to the next maxi, or whatever the case may be, or taxi, to take them straight home. So you're losing that that evening, evening business. Yes, crime has impacted us. I myself have, have been robbed um, at one of my businesses in, in July 2018. And yes, we have security, we have everything. But at the end of the day, There are numerous businesses that are still being robbed. What about home invasions? There are a lot of home invasions that happen that you don't hear about it on the media. And so when you talk to your friend, you talk to your colleague, and you realize what has happened, it tends to raise a lot of red flags. So what are we going to do about this? We are trying. As a business organization, what we had done was, one, we have found ourselves as part of the station council in in the Sangrani department. We have been working on these CCTV systems to get that up and running. Um, Fortunately, we were able to put up a few additional cameras within the the districts in front of (laughs) some. The ultimate goal is to really put CCTV systems on all major entry and exit points into San Grandi, which is not much. And two, we are looking at... um, Enforcing our neighborhood watch groups. Not a vigilante. It's Neighborhood watch groups are really meant to exactly what it says. As a watch group to look out for your neighbors. So that if you see something, um, you report something. Um, apart from that, we within my group of the EBMA, we are advocating. For the issuance of fire fire for FULs for those who are um qualified. And I and I and I stress on that word qualify because many persons have be thought, well, you know, you're just gonna give out fire F- um, firearms and that will make it worse and so on. There is a process. There is a process for FUL. There is a screening a screening process. And like every other process if it is done properly, we should have no worries. We're not yeah. gonna give guns to madmen so yeah. Yeah,
1: so this, uh, so it's a very, um, a very a very sobering discussion uh we have to go to a quick commercial break stay with us we'll be back to uh wrap up the conversation with Mr Ricardo Mohammed this morning.
0: Talk is streaming at freedom106.5.com and welcome back to uh Freedom 106.5 fm in progress under the pulse with Rajiv Dipti and a special guest today, Mr. Ricardo Mohammed. Rajiv.
1: Yeah, so I I mean we've chatted about extensively about a number of topics with someone whom is one of the leading business members in Trinidad and Tobago represents the eastern business and merchants association and also at a national level on the confederation of regional business chambers while we've discussed issues extensively from development flooding crime and several other social topics uh we want to hear a little bit more about what's on the calendar for 2023 um both at both levels, within the community and at a national level, and I'm sure some of our listeners would love to hear more about a taste of grandy. Sure.
2: So, so let's let's start with the basics. Um, a taste of grandy. We are planning to launch one of the best food festivals ever seen, with entertainment, live DJs, etc. A lot of family-driven activities, and we are looking to do that on September 24 this year. The EBMA has really done a, a good job um, our, in terms of bringing communities together, bringing different parts of our country together. We have guys right from Mansona being part of the Taste of Brandy, Tuku being a part of a Taste of Brandy, Mayaro, etc. So we are hoping that our September 24th um, a Taste of Brandy is going to be a lot bigger than than before. Um, so we're looking forward to really putting out not just a culinary event but we also showcase arts and culture as well. So we are bringing everything at the taste of brandy is done mainly from our region and we highlight all our local persons. Now where are we going as the EBME? what our plans are what our future developmental plans are one. The EBMA is going to be lobbying for different things in terms of trying kind to of improve the entire East Coast. So what are some of these things? Um Grani has been known as a major agricultural sector. We produce a lot of food here. We are now going to be lobbying for certain infrastructure to be done, especially roadways, etc. We are planning to liaise with different farming organizations um, to take things forward. Um, with regards to agriculture but we are going to lobby government for agro processing plants in this area i think it will help our farmers to have an advantage when it comes to increased profits for their their produce Uh, it's going to significantly help to increase the employment activity in the farming sector so we are going to push really hard for the agro processing plant two is that we are lobbying for clean energy that is one of the way we are trying to help our climate We are hoping that we can put things in place and and have the rightful discussions with regards to setting up solar plants on the east coast. But not only that, we are subject to northeast trade winds, so we are also looking at wind turbine energy on the east coast. So that is one of the other things that we will be pushing significantly towards. Thirdly, parking in the central district of Eton has been of major concern. Over the years, that has been one of the limiting factors because to drive through the town takes you about half an hour, which and a drive that will normally take you two minutes. So, what are we proposing? We have a proposal plan for a package structure. Within that package structure should be a mini mall and on the top of that package structure, now the mini mall should house some of the government offices and persons who are interested in opening businesses, etc. But on the top, on the rooftop of that. If it is done within five stories or five levels, we can actually create a tourist destination point on top of that with some local street food, some arts and crafts, etc. Locally manufactured stuff from Sangri Grandi. And we can put some telescopes up there just like how you have on the Empire State Building, etc. Where you can actually see the coastline and you can see the the lighthouse in Manzanilla, etc. So these are some of the things that will cause people to come to Grandi and want to see, well, hey, let me let me go up and, and, and check out this new packet uh, on top. It might have a rooftop, it might have vendors, we could get food. We can have our people from San Grandy, the guys who build the ladders, who make the leather sandals, the people who make the soaps, the people who make the beauty care products, the loofahs, the different crafts. Can we have an opportunity to showcase their products and help grow? Not only that we are also looking at the Inner river swamp as being something that has a major tourist attraction into the east coast um we are hoping that with proper planning we could actually teach persons how to, to um cons- um how to treat with these these wildlife um teach environmental conservation teach them about the sea manities. Build a boardwalk in the Inner river swamp area so that tourists could come we can create employment at the long haul, Rajiv, our main aim is once we get these basic infrastructural things done, agro-processing plant, um, park aid, boost in tourism aspects, we create now jobs for the youths of the nation, for the youths of Sangri Grandi. And I think these are some things that we have to do now is to tap into our resources in every single district and community without, within Tobago. and we really need to work together publicly, privately, and get the job done.
1: Thank you, Ricardo. I just want to say thank you for coming on the show this morning and for sharing your insights with our listeners here today. I think it's been a very productive session. I think we've discussed some very telling issues and we have high hopes where the EBMA is going under your leadership. I think we'll also have to visit you for a taste of Granby and we'll be looking forward to that later this year. Thank you once again. Over to thank you, Thank
2: you, Rajiv. It has been a pleasure to be, be here. And definitely, we'll be sending out your invitation for you for a grant.
1: You'll have to do one for Govin as well.
2: <laughs> oh, for sure. For sure, Govan. Yes, for you as well.
0: All right. No problem, okay. Mr. Mohammed, Thank you so much again for joining us today. That wraps up our special program on The Pulse with, of course, Rajiv Dipti today. And, of course, joining us, Mr. Ricardo Mohammed there thanking them both for their time today and giving us a lot of information all about Sangra Grandi. Of course, Mr. Mohamed, the President of the Eastern Business Merchants Association. And be sure to join us next week, Wednesday, from 9 to 10 a.m. right here on Freedom 106.5 FM for another riveting, exciting edition of On The Pulse. Talk is streaming at freedom106.5.com.